this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Great. That was a hell of a game. That was a very exciting game and an uplifting game for Oilers fans. I mean, the Oilers are they're firing on all cylinders. I mean, other than that glitch in Columbus where they fell apart in the third. They have just been playing great hockey. And tonight was another example of it, Bruce. Five to one. Is that the final score? Five to one. Five to one victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Going to Pittsburgh and stomp them. And um, the game was a little closer than um, the score might have indicated. The We had the grade A we had the grade A shots in that game at 19 to 16 for the Penguins. And the five alarm shots, five alarm shots have a 33 plus percent chance of going in. We had those at 16 to nine for the Ooh. Penguins. Now, five of those five alarm shots <laughs> came in one three seconds burst, mm-hmm. um, you know, barrage from the Penguins on a, in the second period where they didn't score. They just kept slamming it into Mike Smith pads from point blank range as he sprawled on the ice but um 16 to 9 so a 16 uh you know you'd expect five goals at least you'd expect about five goals i think there so um mike smith just let in one that's not bad bruce we're going to do our two good things two bad things and two numbers podcast and um we'll do two good things each since it was a pretty good pretty big win for the Oilers. Wrapped up, sec- wrapped up second place got to 100 points on the season i'd call that a big uh, big game did they get 103 that good year with they got 103 so they can still uh, surpass 16, that. 17 so that's still there for the surpassing yes 100 points is nice eh that's a nice number that's yeah. like a serious number like you know that's like you know, kind of Stanley Cup contender-ish number. Mm-hmm. You know, not a favorite, but well, not all in, eight, in the running. All eight playoff teams in the East got 100 points. So just to put it in perspective, all eight teams, first time ever. And, of course, teams are learning more and more how to game the Bettman point system. But 100 still 100. You know, I mean, uh, a normal, it's like an average team uh, playing the Bettman point system would have uh, – about 41 wins plus 10 uh, Batman points for about 92. So anything over or at or over 100 is, you know, solidly in the upper echelon of, of the league. Not the top, but tending in that direction. Indeed. Indeed. All righty, Bruce. Let's, let's, uh, what's your good thing? Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Kyler Yamamoto as one of my good things in this game. Loved his game, loved his uh, his uh, aggressiveness and, and uh, uh, just uh, his continued, uh, you know, Energizer Bunny battery that won't quit that he has going on his good nights, especially. Sometimes even his bad nights, that's not the problem, but he has other problems. But tonight he didn't really have any problems. I like this game a lot. Uh, he really made uh, a sweet pass uh, for a well-earned assist on the game-winning goal by Vander Kane, a three-way passing play, where a uh, four-way pla- passing play. Let's get it right, where Evan Bouchard sent uh, uh, McDavid 
zooming in on the left wing. He passed to uh, Yamamoto in the slot, and Yamamoto quickly made a backhand pass across the slot to Kane, who was coming in on his off wing, and he just hammered it home. And I thought it was good vision, good execution uh, by Yamamoto. And that was a huge goal. Pittsburgh had just tied the game like 25 seconds prior, and Edmonton took it back. Uh, the lead back, and of course they held the lead for the rest of the game. Pittsburgh never scored again, uh, but that was a game-turning uh, uh, goal for uh, for the Oilers. And and Yamamoto's pass, I thought, was kind of the best play in a whole sequence of nice plays there. Uh, he wound up with that assist, uh, plus two, three shots on net, including a couple of real doozies, and uh, uh, two hits, two block shots. And he chipped in on the penalty kill, almost two minutes of action on the penalty kill. I just thought all around we saw, you know, what breadth of game that uh, Kyler Yamamoto has to offer. It was, he was very, very good tonight. I agree, Bruce. Hustling all over the place. Such a smart player and fitting in so well with McDavid and Kane, you know, their skill. Um He's got a high level of skill, Kyler Yamamoto, and you give him some space and he gets space when he's out there with those two guys. He keeps that line moving along. So um, that leads into my good thing, which was Connor McDavid. He was fantastic tonight. Um, he got three um, assists and one goal. So the first one, um, the first, actually, the first three plays are good McDavid kind of plays, good scoring plays. They're nothing, you know, nothing brilliant. Just typical McDavid, really, really good. The first one, uh, Evander Kane wins the puck, puts it to McD and uh, for Bush, and you've described it, Yamamoto's uh, screen there uh, yeah. on that shot. Right. Um, the next one, he goes, he gets a, um, he gets a, a nice pass from Bouchard, and then he goes, McDavid kind of takes it fast and wide, puts it back into the middle where Kane and Yamamoto combine. Uh, on a passing play and, and get the goal. Kane gets the goal, uh, slams it home. That that goal was straight out of 1985, Bruce. That was so yeah. nice. That was that 1985 was vintage Oilers. Just such a high level of skill. Um, the next the one's one power- extra pass followed by the one-timer slammed home. Yeah, that was a goal that could have been scored by Mike Krushelniski in 1985. Uh, you know, that after Gretzky, Curry, and Coffee had all passed the puck and... and him putting the finishing nail in, you know, that was the kind of goals those guys did score. I think Christian Niski got about 84, 85 points that year. 88 points. In 88 points for Mike Christian Wow. Three goals. And the line um, got, a, got 187 goals. That's the all time record. Can you imagine? They averaged 62 per player. <laughs> Hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine, even though we saw it. it was oh, hard. Wow. The next one was a power play goal early in the third. He makes a low high pass to uh, Nugent Hopkins in the high slot, who puts it on net, and Hyman slams in the rebound. Just Very nice pass. play by uh, Zach Hyman. And then, of course, comes the pièce de résistance. He, he gets set up by Leon with a pass, and he takes it down the side of the, I guess, the, the left side, and he, he's at quite a tight angle, but he does this goal that the NHL elite goal scorers are scoring more and more often. If yep. you're looking for a reason that goal scoring is going up, mm-hmm. just incredible shot making of the players is got to be the reason. They're Good making this shot in a way that players just didn't ever make before. Mm-hmm. You'd hardly ever see a goal 
like that. And now it happens, seems like every fifth game, maybe yeah. every 10th game. Oh, but they're they're fairly frequent. I mean, you're always seeing guys fire them up around the goalie's ears, and uh, yeah, the goalie's lucky it doesn't hit him in the ear and go in. You know, one or the other is bad enough. <laughs> so this picking the, it's picking the short side uh, when mm. you have a tight angle and it's going yeah. up over the goalie's shoulder, just that little spot, uh, you know, yeah. you know, top shelf where Mama just keeps big. the cookies. Yeah putting it right there, just the size of a puck or two and sliding it in there. And he scored it was, he just slammed that in. It was such a beautiful goal, such an amazing shot. And, um, this leaves McDavid. What's he at? 122 points. Yep. Yeah. 122 points to Huberto with 115. Correct. Yes, Huberto had zero points tonight in a, a 4-2 Florida loss. So that was a big nail in the in the uh, uh, in the scoring race to to stretch it from three to seven points with two games left for each player. I like McDavid's chances now. And you know what, Bruce? I think this little bit of um, a, a battle. Maybe maybe it's not being noticed in other cities. Maybe it's just me that's noticing, and, and other Oilers fans that are no- noticing. But to me. This really does cement McDavid as the MVP. He's putting some distance between him and, and Huberto here at the end. He's pulling it out. And, um, you know, if he wins the scoring race by, let's say, 10 points, I think that's going to win him the MVP. Although there's a lot of people, I did a poll, and there's a lot of support even in Edmonton. You know, the people who follow me are mostly Edmonton hockey fans. Mm-hmm. There was, I think it was about two-thirds support for McDavid in the poll, if I recall correctly. But right. there was a lot of support for Roman Yossi. Yeah. And um, but I don't in the end see Roman Yossi beating McDavid if McDavid wins a scoring championship handily and the Oilers get a they get 100 points. They're a pretty good team. He's huge for them. I think it's a pretty strong argument. Agree. Or no, disagree? I think Matthews will get it. <laughs> you do I'm not saying he should. I'm just saying I think he will. You do. eh? You think he'll yeah. get it? Oh, yeah. That's sure. Really? 60 goals. And you know, does he, does he have 60 now? Yeah, I got 59-60 tonight. Oh, uh, well, maybe he will, Bruce. You know, maybe he will. So that's, nobody's done that for a while. And, and pe- people are, uh, I, I think the voters are, are understandably going to have a little bit of Oilers fatigue. I mean, let's face it, the Oilers uh, uh, won back-to-back MVPs the last two years. Uh, and three of the last five. And so I don't know that we have a whole lot to complain about if it goes to, to a player on another team. But, I mean, David, yes, he can certainly make a case, and he's making his own case. He's making and his own case. he'll be a finalist, I would have to think for sure, and then we'll just see how the votes crumble. But my guess is that the voters will lean towards Austin Matthews. Don't get mad at me. I'm just saying what I think will happen. I'm not mad at you, Bruce, personally. I know you're talking to I the know there are people listeners. out there. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. I, I agree that people will be mad, and I'll be mad if Matthews wins it. I think that'd be a major burn, but maybe, you know what, if I'm completely honest, mm-hmm. I don't watch Austin Matthews play. I don't know how good he is. Like He's he may fantastic. be for all I know, a beast on defense, mm-hmm. a defensive, a much better defensive player than McDavid, you know, and he's, and 60 goals is nothing to sneeze at. So I'll just try to shut up if he wins and not say much at all, but I probably won't do that. All right. David, did you know that uh, as of about two days ago, and it's probably still true, 
that seven of the 32 NHL teams are Canadian. You did know that. Seven of the top 10 scorers in the NHL play for Canadian teams. How's that? That's, two that's, for Edmonton, two for Calgary, two for Toronto, and one for Vancouver. It's very sweet. Now, some of that has come because the Canadian teams drafted high, right? And they got McDavid and Drysaddle and Matthews and Marner. And, sure. Um, but um, nonetheless, lots of teams draft high and they don't get that player. Mm-hmm. You know, the Buffalo Sabres had a chance at Leon Drysaddle. They did not yeah. take him. Um, so thank goodness for that. Well, but Florida uh, got is, Uber Doe in the you know third overall pick. I mean, a lot of the high scores are very high draft picks because uh, offensive players tend to stand out at a very young age. That pick me, pick me, uh, and so uh, uh, you have a lot of always have a, a lot of real high end you know draft choices in the mix. But uh, Canadian teams uh, have got a lot of stars right now. It's as simple as that. It's great. It's fantastic. It's like it's not like the 80s, but I mean, in the 80s, that you know, the, the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton were the best teams for a period in the NHL for quite a stretch of three or four years, maybe. And um, that was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And I, I just hope we see a Flames Oilers playoff series. I'd love to see that. And I'd, I'd love to see this version of the Oilers take on that version, this version of the Flames. Alrighty, your second good thing, Bruce. I'm going to have to go with Mike Smith. Another strong game for the veteran netminder. A few exciting moments handling the puck. Not all of them good. Uh, one, uh, Pittsburgh scorekeepers called it a takeaway by Sidney Crosby uh, that uh, wound up with some exciting action around the Oilers' net. Uh, but I thought overall he had, had a very strong game. Uh, you know, stopped uh, 33 out of 34 shots. And... Uh, uh, got his team uh, going in the right direction with some good uh, puck handles and uh, some good zone clears. Very unlucky not to actually score a goal there in the empty net situation at the end. And uh, I just thought overall, uh, uh, I mean, what'd you say, 16 five alarm shots? Yes. And one of them went in? Oh. Yeah. Well, we've never had a number anywhere close to 16 before. And even, you know, even if you take away that one sequence and say, well, if they scored on the first shot, they only would have had one five alarm shot, not yeah. five. But still, that's still 12. And that's a lot. It's a very high number. And you'd expect to see three or four goals uh, emanate from those uh, yeah. number of shots. And uh, uh, he held them down to one. And uh, again, he was shaking his leg a little bit there at one time, that left leg, you know. Mm. I don't think it's 100%. And I don't suppose it's going to be 100% between now and the end of this season. But uh, he's battling through it. Then he took that hard shot in the midsection. Yeah, it looked like it might have caught his fingers under his blocker or something. Uh, yeah. I hope anyway, he just sits out the next two games. Like, give him a rest now, right? Well, they got back-to-back, so I dare say he'll play one of them. Anyway, uh, I'm about to do – this was game number 80, so I'm about to do the 10-game segment review tomorrow. And between games 71 and 80, Mike Smith started seven of those games. He posted a record of seven wins, zero losses. Uh, with a 9.63 save percentage and a 1.29 goals against average, and that game-winning assist in San Jose, he's had a phenomenal run. And you know, even the you know, there's there's people that uh, let's just say they don't trust that he's going to be able to keep it going. But you got to look at that and say, holy moly, has that guy been on a hot streak and a half? I mean, that's three weeks. 
and uh, uh, seven games in a row where he allowed, well, the worst was three goals against in the 6-3 win against Colorado. And otherwise, it was twos, ones, and two shutouts in there. And it's just, a, you know, the numbers are phenomenal, and the, and the play has backed it up. He's been close to unbeatable. 9.15 safe percentage now, Bruce. <laughs> there you go. It's like 900 at the beginning of the stretch. That it really is a quite, kind of an amazing, um, kind of an amazing run for him. Like, good for him. This is Javi Bulin in October 2011 territory in terms of how hot a roll he's on right now. Remember that yes. one year when Javi Bulin came out on absolute fire and he was like 960 in October? And then, yeah, and everyone was saying he can't maintain it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they were right. <laughs> they were right. Yeah. And so uh, nine sixty three going forward, but it is uh, something to behold over uh, you know a, a identifiable chunk of games like the, like the ten that we normally review. Mike uh, Smith that. has a uh, nine fifteen save percentage. Bruce Andre Vasilevsky nine seventeen. There you go. That's your Demko nine fifteen. What does Mark Andre Fleury have now? Has he had a good good run of games? He's on two different teams, so it might be tricky to find that out. But uh, yeah, uh, Smith is uh, Smith is doing fine among the uh, Mark Andre Fleury nine oh eight, Robin Leonard nine oh seven, and one. Yeah, good for Mike Smith. Good for Mike Smith. Bruce, my good thing was Evan Bouchard, who I thought looked as confident with the puck as I've seen him in the NHL. He was just slinging that puck around. He was making fine passes all game long. I mean, that second goal by Evander Kane, that uh, 1985 goal, the 1985-er, um, Bouchard started that all off with just a fantastic diagonal dart to McDavid. And um, yep. it, it, he, he scored one goal moving into the slot and firing the puck in. He scored another goal, which was even a better shot, which was called back because of um, an offside rule. I guess if you could live by the offside rule, you'd die by it now and then too, eh? And uh, I know you don't like that rule. Um, so he, he, um, he was just, uh, he was fantastic. I just, I just think the... We, we focus a lot on the downside of players, all of us, and we've noticed, noted repeatedly, his defensive play as a rookie has been spotty. Um, he has made a high number of really bad mistakes. I charted yesterday in, in today's post the number of bad mistakes, which are like turnovers, bad line changes, allowing a breakaway, and a bad bad pinches. He's at the, mm-hmm. He's got the highest rate of any Oilers defense, regular Oilers defenseman. So... He has had his defensive struggles. That's expected as a rookie. It's also expected that the that a rookie's confidence, offensive confidence, isn't going to quite be there. That, that there's going to be major improvement there as well. So I think we can we can expect some improvement on defense. But I think we're like we're getting an inkling of just his what his offensive game is going to be. And Bruce, he's not obviously he's not Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes. He's not like uh, you know Peter Pan on his skates twinkling around the ice or Legolas. He doesn't have those fat feet, fast feet to climb up an oliphant, but he he is a tremendous passer and shooter of the puck, and a very smart player. I thought it was on display all night long. It was very gratifying to see him. I think have a kind of a coming out moment, and I hope he can continue to play with this kind of confidence. It would be huge for the Oilers. 
mm-hmm. if he can continue to maintain this kind of confidence, which is hard to do, right? Diff- very difficult. Doesn't mean he has to score two goals and get one called back every game. Right. But um, if he keeps making passes like this, but getting pucks on net, good, th- good things are going to continue to happen. He's got a lot of points now, doesn't he? What has he got? Let me just check here. He does. I was just looking at it myself. And he's got... Uh, he's 28th in the league with uh, for defensemen with 42 points. But even strength points, he's going to be a fair bit higher than that. He is uh, indeed summary. Yeah, he's 15th, and he tied for 14th with Brent Burns and even strength points with 35. It's plus 10 on the year, you know, goals yeah. for, you know, that's, he's also like in, for, in in terms of an underlying number, the one that we track for major contributions and mistakes on grade A shots, he's, he and CeCe are right at the top of the Oilers list. Now, CeCe has played much, has played more difficult competition than Bouchard, yes. but Bouchard has played, yeah, CC and Nurse have played by far, according to uh, Puck IQ, Darcy McLeod's uh, in w- the Wood Money system, which is a fantastic way to measure um, quality mm-hmm. of competition. Sure they have Nurse above 40% of his time against elite competition, and CC's near 40%, and then everyone yeah. else is below 30%. So Bouchard's, um, CC's much more, of, uh, having a much more impressive even strength play this year than, than Bouchard, even though they're kind of equal in our in our uh, rating system but um pretty good for a rookie pretty darn good for a rookie yeah well since um uh, Woodcroft and Manson took over Nurse is about 51% of his minutes against uh top competition it's just yeah. way way above the like the, I charted it against the whole league he's got he's got the toughest competition he kind of stands out above the chart for, and he's being tasked with it. And uh, I mean, other guys stand out against the league in terms of results against pretty hard competition, like Charlie McAvoy in Boston. And that puck IQ shows what a fantastic season that guy's having. Um, but Nurse has been uh, uh, the guy, but CC and Nurse has been the pair since they, uh, Manson and uh, and Woodcroft took over the. Uh, the uh, team and specifically the decor and that's how they run it so it was kind of encouraging tonight to see without nurse to see the defense as a group play a pretty strong game i thought <clears throat> thought they had the puck moving forward most of well the there time. was a lot of five alarm chances against bruce I, yeah. but well i, I, guess, I can't yeah, I, but I do agree with moving you like the i puck well <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a weird game in that regard and some of the five alarm chances came because of smith's miscues too right there was a couple like that, where it went one where he failed to cut out the puck that was coming into the slot and was very dangerous in the first period. But I agree with you. I thought the defense looked good. And and again, like props to Cody Cece for playing tough competition and yet having such success in terms of like creating grade A shots and defending against them. That guy has been, he's been the owner's best defenseman this year, I I, I would argue. And I know Darnell Nurse has been really good, but I'm, I'm going to say Cece edges him out just a little bit. Your bad thing. Yeah, not a lot to hate about this game, but I'm I'm kind of cheesed off at the at the puck uh, on what appeared to be a 200 foot perfect shot by Mike Smith that landed. It went in the air for about 170 feet, 
and it landed, looked like it was going right in the middle of the net. And he'd already put a shot right in the middle of the net earlier when the, the goalie was back in. He'd come, in, he'd come out and he went back in. And Smith had one practice shot on net. And then he had a, um, uh, a second shot at the empty net and it looked like he had a dead center. No Oilers goalie has ever done this. And they had the behind-the-net view while it was happening, which is rare. And you could see it come down. And it was like, hey, it's going in the net. And then Smith himself even started to charge out and celebrate. And then it landed on an edge, and it just did the intern and just skittered just wide of the post. And it was practically going sideways by the time it got there. Russ Howard would have said that. It got behind the guard, and it just went sideways, you know. And uh, just, oh, it would have been such a, such a nice uh, sort of little exclamation point on the uh, uh you know the pl- uh, the home ice clinching game and this whole little hot streak but uh it wasn't to be and they wound up getting two other empty net goals one of which actually counted and but it was a little anticlimactic compared to what might have been so so you, you're blaming puck. the ice there not the i'm blaming all no, the puck i'm blaming the puck okay it landed, not the ice. It landed on edge oh, yeah, it landed, and, landed and on it kind of yeah. took this sideways Hop Bummer. into the bunker, you know, when you think yeah. you hit the perfect shot. So, Louis thought it was in. I thought it was in. <laughs> okay, my bad thing, Bruce. Yeah. My bad thing mm-hmm. is Jeff Carter's mullet. And I was yeah. almost thinking it was my good thing. I couldn't figure out if that was a good thing or a bad thing. But, Bruce, I have not seen a mullet like that since 1988, I don't think. Well, maybe the early 90s. Maybe the early 90s. That is straight, straight out of... Now, I'll tell you what, Don Seleski, you take a yep. look at Jeff Carter right now and go look, Google, okay, if you're listening to this, call mm-hmm. up Jeff Carter from last night and then Don Seleski. They look identical. <laughs> they look identical. They are this, it's like he's son of Don. It was like, it was like Will Smith at his current age decided to play a hockey player in a movie and that's how he would look, was how Jeff Carter looked tonight. That mullet was Un, oh, it was a mullet and a perm. It was Smith. outrageous. That you, was crazy. Who are you thinking of? Not Will Smith. Oh, I said Will Smith. I meant Will Ferrell. Sorry. Will, Will Ferrell. Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Will. If it was Will Will Ferrell at his age, um, yeah, playing a hockey player. So that hmm. mullet, that's, I don't know, like, it's like either a zero or a 10. It's one or the other. And I can't quite make up my mind, Bruce. Yeah. Well, that guy got drafted in 2003. It's now 2022. And he's still deadly after all these years. Just still deadly. He's still scoring goals against the the Oilers. He's been doing that the whole time, whether he's in Philly or especially in L.A. or now in Pittsburgh. And he's just uh, 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 one of of my more favorite players of, you know, never played on the Oilers. That I just kind of followed his career and I've always liked him as a player, except for when he's playing against the Oilers. And then he's a big pain in the butt. Come to think of it, if Will Smith had a mullet, he'd have pretty curly hair too. So it might not look, look that. It might look kind of like that. But I definitely was thinking of Will Ferrell, especially in his. What was that one? The song. Have you seen the song of Fire and Ice? The one about Eurovision. The Eurovision. If you haven't uh, seen it, it's no. one of the funniest and sweetest comedies in recent Jones. years. No, it's uh, it's Fire a it's called ice. Eurovision. I think it's okay. the song of Fire and Ice or something. Oh. Anyway, it's hilarious. Will Smith's movie with Rachel McAdams, who's I believe Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce, let's move on to our numeros. Okay. Go for All it. right. My number is 2000. 
Second time this year, I've chosen the number 2000, and for the same reason both times. And the odd fact here is that two Edmonton Oilers teammates on the same year, Edmonton Oilers became the first two players in the history of the National Hockey League to be credited with 2,000 block shots. Chris Russell being the first, and now Duncan Keith is number two on the all-time list, 2003, after blocking five shots tonight, and the milestone number 2000, uh, where he joined Chris Russell in the exclusive club, was a fantastic, possibly goal-saving shot block from in close to the net, uh, where he was in the blue paint, and Smith might have stopped it behind him and might not have, but it was... uh, it was a deadly shot from extremely close range that the announcers both thought very well could have been a goal. And, I mean, obviously, it's taken a long time, 1,254 games. He's played more games than anybody else in the top 10. Uh, Zdeno Chera, number 11, he's played 1,653 games. Uh, but... Uh, Brent Seabrook retired at 1998. Andy Green, who's still active, is at 1996 and might even possibly get there before the end of the season, which he's going to want to try because he may be done soon. Uh, but anyway, it's just a, it's a milestone. And uh, I know that it's not the most stylish of stats. Some people hate block shots. But then when you watch playoff games and you look at all the trouble teams have gotten shots through to the net and the... And the uh, players in shooting lanes, and I maintain that for every shot a guy blocks because he's in a shooting lane, there's probably another one or two shots that don't even get attempted because the guy is in the shooting lane. And so it doesn't, it's just, it's a proxy of positioning for me. And so anyway, he, uh, uh, Keith made this uh, milestone tonight. I thought he played good. He thought him and Bouchard are, are, are really clicking. And he kept uh, no shots, uh, no shot attempts even for uh, Keith in this game, but he kept feeding the D-to-D passes over to uh, Bouchard Bush. with time and space to let fly. And, I mean, Doug Keith is smart enough to know that Bouchard's got a lot better shot than he does. I, so yeah. why not? I like Keith much better than Nurse with Bouchard because Nurse likes to shoot it himself, right? Mm-hmm. Darren yeah. L's a shooter, and he's not a bad shooter, right? But I, when Evan Bouchard's on the ice, I want to see him shoot the puck. Right. All due respect to Darnell Nurse. And Keith does, he's great. He's he's looking for him all the time. He knows. He's not, he hasn't, he hasn't been this long in the NHL and a Hall of Fame hockey player not to know what to do. You know, when you're out there with Patrick Kane, you set him up. And same with Evan Bouchard. I'm not comparing the two necessarily. Right. Um, Bruce, 2,000 shots. Could you yeah. imagine what the yeah. toll that would take on your body? Yeah. Blocking 2,000 NHL caliber shots. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't like... Okay, here's my this is a hot take and it's I'm not gonna try I'm gonna try not to be too nasty. If you play hockey at any level and you try to get a shot in and it gets blocked, it is one of the most frustrating things on yeah. earth to have your shot blocked. You feel like a failure because you have failed. Your job is to get the puck through on the net. You're hoping to score a goal and someone blocks your shot. Do you consider this a bad play or any kind of negative? And especially considering what you're saying in the playoffs where it's an absolute staple of yeah. playoff hockey is the block shot. If you're not blocking shots in the playoff, you're not you're not competing for your team. We heard this when there was no fans in this in the um, in the stadiums in the hockey arenas, the yes. ice palaces, and there was there would be a shot block, and the whole it was it was one of the things more than anything else, as much as anything else, except the goal that would ignite the bench yes. in cheering and applause. So if you're in that camp, and I understand there's all kinds of different 
mm-hmm. kind of statistical and theoretical reasons for being against block shots. Right. But come on, it is a it is a it is a strong, good, even great hockey play to block a shot. Can be. Yeah. Sure. It's, can. A, it's kind of like in baseball, you know, the sabermetricians of which I am sort of a, I, I am I I'm in that camp. Let's put it that way. Numbers people. Yeah. Uh, say that the bunt. It's strategically not a good play. Uh, if you take the average of all bunts, like, you know, you bunt a guy ahead, but you give up an out, and that the trade-off is is probably not right. And bunting has largely gone out of the game. But that doesn't mean that I, as a fan, don't enjoy a really nice bunt from time to time. And so I also enjoy a really nice block shot from time to time without feeling the need to ridicule every block shot as something that somehow the player's fault that they have puck was in his end to begin with and that uh, he's only doing it to, you know, to to uh, uh, cor- correct a previous mistake or whatever. I mean, sometimes they do correct mistakes. Sometimes it's mistakes made by other players that the shot blocker um, prevents. But uh, it's... Uh, uh, it's certainly part of the uh, the hurly burly of hockey, uh, shot blocking, and it's uh, often underappreciated. So I'm going to go on the record as appreciating both Chris Russell and Duncan Keith. Not necessarily the most popular defenders on the team, but uh, uh, gutsy guys that have taken a lot of rubber on behalf of their team over the years. And uh, you know. I have the, nothing but only admiration. Only two in the history of the league, and they're both on this order's team. I mean, that's, Amazing. That's quite striking. <laughs> As a beer league defenseman, I have nothing mm-hmm. but admiration. It hurt, Like, every time I block a shot, it hurts like hell. Mm-hmm. I hate, I hate, I get out of the way. Like, I, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, there's no way I'm going to block a shot unless I get by chance. Like, it's, unless it's a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. Which happens now and then someone shoots it off my foot. It just hurts so much. Like it can't. Now, maybe they got some better equipment than me. Probably they do. They but, also have harder shooters of the puck, too, Dave. I, sure mean, do. I don't suppose that, uh, that you point. have. <laughs> no. So I just have like, I'm, I'm in, I am in awe of NHL shot blockers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as the equivalent of the shot blocking in the NBA. It's not quite that good, but it's pretty darn good. Okay, my number, Bruce, is 65.4. That is the goals for percentage of Kane, McDavid, and Yamamoto in 192 minutes of five-on-five play. 17 goals, four, nine against. That is really, really good. That's not, like, the the best lines in the league are going to be 66. They, they're going to be right there and a little maybe above that. Like, you'd have to look around. And... Um, so Kyler Yamamoto really fits well on that line. The interesting thing is, yes, a Puliyarvi Evander Kane and McDavid's goal for percentage in 149 minutes, just 50 minutes less, is 90 percent. Nine goals for one against. This, of course, speaks well of Connor McDavid, yes. but um, it shows if you can get that guy some wingers. This is the first. I mean, he's had Leon Draisaitl as winger. You know, they've been putting those guys together so he's obviously had some wingers and Patrick Maroon was actually a pretty good fit as well but you get Connor McDavid some wingers and Connor Yamamoto and Yessa Pugliarvi are good glue players on 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 the wing with those two guys and you get a like a Kane is certainly performing executing right now like a high level NHL sniper sure looks like one and he's playing like one this is really exciting heading into the playoffs I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled, and uh, you know no one knows what the future holds next season. Who cares about that? As Jay Woodcroft says, let's all take it one game at a time. 
there's enough troubles in each day for each right. day. So. Yeah. So I'm just concerned about the two points, and tonight they got two points, and they're now off to an even 100 on the season. So that's a nice round number for us too. So nice, eh? So nice. Hmm. Yeah, what a relief, eh, Bruce? This season looked like it was going sideways, and um, and it didn't. It's turned out really well. And in the in this last run of games, in some ways, has been more impressive, I think, than the first 21 games. The, you know, what is it? These 30, is it 36 games now under Woodcroft? Um, have been absolutely encouraging if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, and giving hope. That yeah, when Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are members of the Edmonton Oilers, however long that lasts, this team is going to win a Stanley Cup. It's going to happen. And that's what this has me thinking. So I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. Not much to be unhappy about tonight. That was a no. good, solid team effort, and uh, uh, down, you know, down a couple of important players, and uh, uh, playing against a team that, you know, Pittsburgh needed to win this game too, right? I mean, they don't want to play Florida in the first round of the playoffs, which is what's at stake for them and Washington in their battle for uh, third in the uh, Metropolitan. And so Pittsburgh won this game and Edmonton was just simply put the better team. And, and uh, uh, I'd say fairly soundly outplayed uh, Pittsburgh in in, uh, in many respects. And they certainly did in the third period, unlike last game that tonight they took the 2-1 lead into the third period and they just built on it. The orders have some talent. Talent. Yes. Team rising to the top. All right, Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.